Well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. My name is Kevin Reichley. If I haven't met you, thanks to all the folks joining online this morning. Again, thanks for the flexibility. And uh, one of the things that, that we're excited about is just being in this book of, of Hebrews. And, and Martin uh, wrote that awesome last verse, and it was ex- explicitly for this, these three verses that we're going to look at today. So I hope you will agree that this has just been such a rich and, and relevant text for us, and today is going to be no different. We, uh, if you've been tracking along, last week we went through chapter 11, which was the Hall of Faith, and so this morning we're going to look at, we're going to jump into chapter 12, the first three verses, and it's it's one of the most uh, critical passages of the book of Hebrews. So if you don't have a Bible, grab one or pop your app open. We're going to be in chapter 12, the first three verses, and as I mentioned last week, Ben walked through. Examples of men and women throughout history that persevered in their faith in really the midst of difficult circumstances. And as the passage today that that Hannah just read, it starts with a therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore, that's a clue that says, hey, we're going to build upon what we just talked about. So we're going to look at last week, chapter 11, build upon that, and then also talk about how we can persevere in faith. But I just wanted to, to reground us. If you guys remember, the whole book of Hebrews, if we kind of pan back out, was about exhorting the Hebrew Christians by exalting Christ. So exhorting the Hebrew Christians or encouraging them, spurring them on by exalting Christ, which is making much of Christ, pointing to the person of Christ. And these Hebrew Christians were enduring hardship. They were enduring persecution. They were growing weary. They were drifting. They were falling away from their faith. And we've seen this throughout the book of Hebrews. If you guys remember way back in chapter 2, the writer said, hey, pay close attention to what you've heard lest you fall away. Verse chapter 3, he went on to say, hey, take care lest there be an evil, unbelieving heart in you leading you to fall away from the living God. So we're hearing this language about drifting away, falling away. And then in chapter 5, he went on to say, hey, you guys should be teachers by now. But you guys, you need to be retaught. And if you guys remember that language, it was, it was about, hey, you need milk. You're not ready for this, this uh, spiritual food, um, the solid food, sorry. But they made a profession of faith. So these Hebrew Christians made a profession of faith, began enduring hardship. And now they're considering or wondering, hey, is following Jesus really worth it? And friends, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, we have times like this in our lives. We may be in a season that looks like that right now. But in our, our, our passage today, the writer is going to make this passionate appeal to run the race of faith with perseverance, just like the heroes of faith mentioned in chapter 11. And I want to be really clear up front, this is a command to run. This isn't a command to, to jog, to meander, to stop and take selfies. Uh, just like the writer warned the Hebrew Christians, we're not to get lazy, we're not to coast, we're not to give up when things get hard. And just like the heroes of faith, all of our races, all of our courses are unique. But God is able to help us hold fast until the end. He's able to help us hold fast to our confidence. He's able to help us hold fast to our hope. And he's able to help us hold fast to our faith in Christ. But friends, let's not not, uh, be naive. There's going to be hiccups There's going to be speed bumps along the path. So today, what I want us to focus on is how we can hold fast to Christ 
and run and finish our races well. There's going to be a lot of analogy today about running a long-distance endurance race. Um, so really relevant message for the Hebrew Christians back then, but really, really relevant uh, for us today as well. So uh, this is the audience participation portion of the sermon. Um, show of hands if you've run a long-distance race before. And I'm going to start with a, I'm going to start the lowest rung. Has anybody run a mile before? All right, kids, you can participate too. Okay, how about 5K? Keep your hands up if you run 5K. Okay, 10K. All right, yes, we still have quite a few hands. Okay, 10K is where I get off the bus. For some reason, my body starts to just quit at six miles. So if you can keep going, that's awesome. Okay, how about do we have any half marathoners? Okay, we still got some marathon. Okay, we still got a marathoner. And an ultra marathoner, Andy is not here we do have some ultra marathons in our congregation. And so some of us do remember Andy a couple years ago running 100 miles. And it was, uh, it was neat. I actually got a chance to catch up with Andy and get some of the details of that 100-mile run. And you'll see him kind of woven throughout the, the sermon today. But what I really want us to get our heads around is running a successful distance race. So we've had our banana. We've had our oatmeal. We've done our stretching. And now the race has started. Okay, the race has started. The race is our journey of faith as Christians, and the race started when we put our faith in Christ. And we're running this race for as long as God has us on this earth. Okay, so um, if you would just humor me and, and close your eyes. Kids, you can do this too. Everyone close your eyes. I want you guys to just try to visualize uh, as I describe a long-distance race. So I'm going to kind of walk you through a long-distance race, but close your eyes with me. and then uh, So I'm just going to describe this to you. Okay, the starting gun is fired, and you're off. Okay, you're running, you're feeling great, you're breathing well, one foot in front of the other, slow and steady, you got this. Okay, but then you take that turn, and you see a huge hill. Okay, everyone, maybe if you've run a long-distance race, you know this feeling. So you see the hill, a little bit demoralizing, you start to lose a little bit of your confidence, but you get to that top of that hill. You get to the top of the hill and you feel this sense of accomplishment and you sort of steady the ship. But then you encounter some unexpected twists and turns. Then you start to have debris in the path. You're breathing harder now. Things are starting to hurt on your body. And you start to question, hey, was this, was this worth it? Do you, think I, do you think I can finish? You start to question yourself. But then, this is inevitable sometimes, hopefully, for you guys, you get your second wind, and you start to hit your stride again, and, and, and things seem easier. Confidence returns, and your belief that you can finish returns. But as you continue on, you start to feel alone, and you wonder how much longer this is going to last. You desperately need water. All the aches and pains in your body are, are real. You want to stop, and you want to give up. But you also know the end result. And so you keep going. And as you finish the race, you exhale. And then all the satisfaction, all the joy, and finishing and finishing well overwhelms you. Awesome. Okay, so hopefully that helped you guys paint sort of a picture in your head of this long-distance race. What I just described probably looks a lot like our races of faith. Ups and downs, twists and turns, highs and lows. But in our race of faith, all the holding fast, all that perseverance is going to be realized when we meet and see and are rewarded 
uh, by meeting Jesus face to face at the finish line. So holding fast, perseverance will be realized and rewarded when we see Jesus face to face at the finish line. However, friends, we're still in this race today. And so what I want to focus on is how we can run successfully so we're prepared when things get hard and we want to stop or we want to give up. Just like the Hebrew Christians, as we race, it's easy for us to lose heart and to lose focus on our ultimate goal, Jesus Christ. I want to repeat that. It's easy for us to lose heart and lose focus on our ultimate goal, Jesus Christ. And we see this. We get hit with tough news. Our health starts to fail. We lose a job. A relationship goes south. We can't shake a sin struggle. Maybe like the Hebrew Christians, we're tempted to go back to our old ways, or we're tempted to choose comfort, or we're tempted to choose complacency. But the good news, believer, is this, that no matter what our life circumstances, when we fix our eyes, just what we're saying, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we can run and finish our race well. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we can run and finish our race well. So three things that I want us to look at today. Focusing on Jesus allows us to run with encouragement is the first thing. Focusing on Jesus allows us to run without encumbrances. And focusing on Jesus helps us to run with a perfect example. So three E's, if you remember the three E's. Encouragement, encumbrances, and example. So we're going to jump in. The first is encouragement. We can run our race with encouragement from former runners is the first thing we're going to look at. In verse 1, we just read, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are the cloud of witnesses that, that we're talking about? Well, those are the men and women that we looked at last week that gave us such an amazing picture of faith in chapter 11. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Rahab, and on and on. Now, the Hebrew Christians knew the stories of these heroes intimately. Now, when we think about the word witness, we usually think about the act of seeing or watching. So maybe you guys think of the, like witness, like I witnessed a crime, for instance. We kind of think of that word as, as seeing or watching. But the way it's used in, in verse 1 is actually the act of giving a testimony. So when it says to witness, it means to give a testimony. These men and women of faith gave a testimony with their lives. They were saints that lived and died valiantly by faith. And the testimony of their lives is saying, hey, by faith I finished I finished this race, and you guys can do that too. And although they're dead, they're still speaking to us today as we read their testimonies in the Bible. And we saw this last week in chapter 11, verse 4. And I think it's going to come up on the screen. It says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. So the story of Abel. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So these testimonies of men and women of faith should encourage us. And it's, it, this is a really important note. These men and women that we talked about last week, they weren't flawless. They made mistakes. They sinned against God, yet they repented. They believed and they remained steadfast in their faith until the end of their lives. It's also important to note that they died not having seen the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises, yet they still trusted God through it all. And this should inspire us and encourage us as we read about these men and women of faith. Next, we can look at how we can run our race with encouragement from fellow runners. So we just talked about former runners. Now it's fellow runners. 
It's important to note that the writer says, let us run the race of endurance that is set before us. Us. Together. He doesn't say, as you run this race. He says, us. He knows he's running this race too, and he can be an encouragement to the Hebrew Christians, and the Hebrew Christians can be an encouragement to him. And that's so true. We, we can be an encouragement to those around us. Our lives witness to those around us. Think about this. Our friends, our kids, our significant others, our families, our coworkers. I can't tell you how many people have witnessed to me over the years with their lives. As a non-believer, a stranger sharing their testimony with me about how they had overcome sin in their life had a profound impact on me making the decision to start my race of faith. As a new Christian, watching how other Christian men sacrificially loved and served their wives and their neighbors. Watching Manny come to faith a few years ago and, and just be on fire for the Lord and for the Word of God really encouraged me. Prayer and accountability with the other elders encourages me. Seeing Martine, Timon, Hunter, Alice, Ashley, Will, and many, many others week after week faithfully serve this body encourages me. Getting to talk to my spiritual mentor once a month is a huge encouragement to me. All these friends witness, witness to me with their lives. The point being that we are running together in Christian community is designed to encourage one another. As Andy ran his, his 100 miles, he was allowed to have someone come and join him to run with him after, after the 50-mile mark. So he'd run 50 miles, as you can imagine. He's, he's probably very, very tired. But Taylor Bargo, at the 55-mile mark, came and joined Andy and started running with him uh, in the middle of the night. So it's, she, ran, she ended up running 20 miles with Andy, 3 a.m. in the morning, pitch black. Andy was exhausted. This was an absolutely critical part of Andy's run. At 75-mile mark, Brandon Bargo came and ran with Andy the last 25 miles of the race. And Andy actually told me if it wasn't for Taylor and Brandon, he's not sure he could have finished, could have finished the race. And so when I think about Taylor and Brandon and I think about the cloud of witnesses, I think about the folks, if you've, if you've ever run a marathon or a long-distance race, I think about the folks along the way that are there to cheer you on or to give you a drink of water or, in Andy's case, to, to literally run with you. And those are the people that, that, that are saying, keep going, or you can do this. And as we saw in the passage last week, these, these witnesses, the cloud of witnesses, they've already run the race, and they've already run it well. And they're a reminder it can be done and that it's worth it. In our race of faith, we read about these men and women, and it should give us encouragement to keep going, to persevere, to run with endurance. So I'm going to put... A little bit different this week. I'm going to put a few applications up as I go uh, of what I'm talking about so it's, it's kind of fresh. Um, so what's the application? Read to be reminded is the first one. We need to be in the Bible reading about these men and women that persevered in their race of faith to give us confidence we can run with endurance our race of faith. Now it's important to remember that they encountered persecution they struggled with sin, and they struggled with disappointment, but were able to overcome and glorify God with their faithful lives. Through all the hardship, God sustained these believers, and God sustains us too, even more so now. Don't miss this. This is an important point. 
Even more so now that we have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit within us. We can do it too by holding fast to Christ. Another important application. Write your story as a reminder. So read to remember and write to remember. Our lives are a witness or or a testimony to, to others. And if you've never written or shared your personal testimony or your story of faith, I'd encourage you to spend some time writing that out and thinking about who you could bless with that. Our testimonies are really, really, these are powerful, powerful stories of redemption that can encourage other believers. Everyone online and everyone in this room has a unique story. God is such a creative story writer, and he's written your story, everybody in here and online, he's written your story to help encourage someone else in their race of faith. And as I just mentioned, your stories of perseverance and faith have greatly encouraged me, and they can encourage others too. So we have this amazing gift, these stories that we're able to bless other people with. So let's do that. So read to remember, to, to be reminded, and write to be reminded. So we've looked at how we can run with encouragement. Next, we're going to look at how we can run our race without encumbrances. That's the second E, encumbrances. So in verse 1, the writer identifies two different things that encumber our run. So we're going to take a look at those. If we look at verse 1 again, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, that's the first one, and the sin which clings so closely, that's the second one, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. So the first thing that encumbers our run are the weights. Other translations call them obstacles or hindrances. Now, this is an important point. It's, these are not, the weights aren't necessarily sinful. Weights aren't necessarily sinful. But nevertheless, they make running our races more difficult. So, so let me give you a couple examples. It could be a hobby. It could be a relationship. It could be a habit. It could be entertainment. I've mentioned in, in a prior sermon that I did that, that Twitter is a hindrance to my race. I spend too much time on Twitter, and it's something that gets in the way for me. And I'm working on that, but it's, it's a slow process. But when I think of these weights, I think about this verse in Ephesians 5, and uh, it, says, it says this. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That uh, is a really convicting verse for me. Usually a weight is something that takes up our time but isn't needed to run our races well. Again, some of these are not sinful, and the natural response may be, well, what's wrong with this? Or, or is this a sin? You may be asking yourself those questions, and we're going to put a quote up here by John Piper. He had a really good perspective on this when he said, don't ask, don't ask if it's a sin, but ask, does it help me run, or is it in the way? Now, in typical Piper fashion, he would go on to say something even more convicting. He would say this, we don't ask this question a lot because we're not passionate runners. Super convicting. In other words, we don't wake up thinking about what we can accomplish for God on any given day. So it's fair to point out we should evaluate what are the things in our lives that, are, that may be in the way of a well-run race. For the Hebrew Christians, this could have been the former Judaic 
legalism. If you think back, like we've been talking about this whole book, the temple, the priests, the rituals, the shadow of the former things that was, that was holding them back. Again, not a sin, but a hindrance for the Hebrew Christians. Maybe for you, it's things like video games or television or social media, like I just talked about. An unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's your job. Ask God to show you these things and pray he would take them out of the way. The next thing the writer calls out are the encumbrances uh, to our race is, is the sin that clings so closely. The sin that clings so closely. Other translations say the sin that so easily entangles. Now this one's more obvious to us and the readers of the letter. Sin certainly encumbers our ability to successfully run our races. So the way I think about this, the way I thought about this was like a shoe being untied. Uh, you can certainly continue running for a while, but at some point, if you don't address that untied shoe, you're going to trip and fall. For the Hebrew Christians, the writer is calling out unbelief and apostasy. Apostasy meaning just turning, turning back from Christianity. So that, that's the sin the writer is calling out for the Hebrew Christians. Um, and, you know, in lieu of the previous context, this could have meant losing heart. This could have meant quitting the race. It could have meant giving up on the fight. And some of you guys know this. For me, I've been working a lot through pride and anger. Uh, those are sins that slow me down in my race. I'm taking steps to work through those so that I can be a, a better runner. But it's not easy. And it's truly taking on a humble posture and asking God to change your hearts to want to shed these encumbrances. Did anybody ever watch The Biggest Loser? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand, okay. Okay, so there's this TV show. Amanda and I used to watch it back in the day. It might still be on. I don't know. Um, the premise of this TV show was that they would bring on a bunch of severely overweight contestants, and then they'd have some trainers on there that would work with these contestants uh, to tra really transform their bodies and just lose a ton of weight over the course of several weeks. And um, the person that lost the biggest percentage of their starting weight was the biggest loser, or the winner in this case. And um, I'll never forget that show, though. They used to have this race towards the end of the season, and it was a really unique race. It had this twist, though. So they, they would basically uh, take these weights and, and strap them around each, each other. I wish everybody was here so I could show you. So if the contestant lost, say, 15 pounds in week one, they would take a 15-pound weight and strap it around their arm. If they lost 12 pounds in week two, they would strap a 12-pound weight around their leg and so on and so on, right? So you can imagine all these weights all over these contestants. Well, at this, this race, they would run, and they would get to these designated checkpoints so they'd get to the first checkpoint, they'd rip off that 15-pound weight and chunk it to the ground. They'd get to the second checkpoint, they'd take off the 12-pound weight, they'd chunk it to the ground, on and on and on. And through the course of this race, some people would literally dump over 100 pounds as they ran. And so as I think, as I think about that, I can't think, but that's such a great picture of how we're running our races when we're able to shed these weights and these sins in our lives. And just like those contestants that were running and shedding these weights, uh, we feel this. As we shed those things, we can run faster. We can run stronger. And we can, we can feel freer. And so I just, I, I always picture that race as we kind of shed these sins and our, these weights in our lives. 
So the application on this one, in, in your race, what's weighing you down right now? Now remember, these aren't necessarily sins, but are things that get in the way of running well. And as Piper said, does it help me run or is, is it in the way? Think about how you spend your time. Is there something you know slowing you down in your faith race? Take that to God and ask him to help you reduce or remove that. What is the sin that so easily entangles? Now, this one's likely more obvious in slowing us down. Name it and ask God to help you get rid of it. Ask others to intercede in prayer or seek accountability through a discipleship group. And not just join a discipleship group, but we really need to be willing to be open with our fellow group members. I just talked about this earlier. We're running this race together and encouraging one another. So let's lean on each other. The point being that it's so necessary and important to identify these encumbrances and get them out of our lives so we can run our races well. So we've looked at how we can run our faith race with encouragement and the importance of doing it without encumbrances. So the third and final thing we're going to look at is how we can run our race with a focus on Jesus, our perfect example. Okay, so that's the third E, example. So after talking about the cloud of witnesses and laying aside the weights and the sins, the writer tells us to look to Jesus. Simple. Look to Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate hero of faith, and Jesus persevered for the joy that was set before him. We have to keep our focus completely on him. Who he is, what he's done, and how he persevered in his race, the race that God had set out for Jesus, how he persevered in that. Jesus is the ultimate hero of faith. He's listed after all the other men and women of faith in chapter 11. He gave us the ultimate example of living a life of faith. And the writer goes on to say, and we just sang about this, that Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, the founder of our faith. What does that mean? Other translations say the originator, the pioneer, or the author. That simply means Jesus is the source of our faith. He initiated it, and he bestowed it upon us. And we see this in Ephesians 2. It says, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Jesus is also the perfecter of our faith. As the perfecter of faith, Jesus is the model for us. He grows our faith. He completes our faith. So why did Jesus persevere in his faith and give us a perfect example to follow? Verse 2 tells us, it was for the joy that was set before him. This is such a, a beautiful picture. What was the joy set before Jesus? As the writer mentions later in the verse, his joy was rooted in the coming exaltation when he sat at the right hand of the throne of God. So I want us to just take a couple seconds to, to picture this, to envision this. Jesus' joy was in his reunion with God the Father. Jesus' joy was being crowned with honor and glory. Jesus' joy was ruling and reigning with God. And this is, this is amazing. Jesus' joy was bringing many sons and daughters to glory. Okay, that last part is, is amazing. His joy was bringing many sons and daughters to glory. 
And that's really, really cool to think about. Jesus had us on his mind as he was finishing his race. Now, it was this joy that allowed Jesus to endure the cross. The writer says that he despised the shame. When he says he despised the shame, that that simply means that he dismissed it as nothing. Dismissed it as nothing. He remained focused on God and the joy that was set before him. And this sustained him to go through the mocking, the crucifixion, the rejection, and the separation from God. And we see, see this in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And it says, But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus kept his focus on God and the joy that was set before him. Now in verse 3, it goes on to say, the writer goes on to say, Consider him. Consider him. Focus on him. And I preached, I preached a sermon on the opening verses of Hebrews back in January where we looked at the exalted Christ. You may remember how Jesus is described. I think the bullets are going to come up here on the this, on this slide. But I just want to take us back so we remember how Jesus was described at the beginning of Hebrews. It said, He is the heir of all things, the creator of the world, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of God's nature, the one who upholds the universe, the one who purifies us of our sins, and the one who is seated at the right hand of God. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture of Jesus, who is the one we are to consider. Consider Jesus and his ability to live a life of perfect faith, while enduring hostility and unimaginable pain and separation from the Father. Consider him who was able to trust God in the most desperate and dire circumstances. Why? The writer goes on to say, so you won't grow weary or faint-hearted. So, exactly what the Hebrew Christians were feeling and experiencing was amplified exponentially for the King of Kings. And yet, he was able to remain faithful. So the writer is imploring the readers and us to consider Jesus when we start to feel tired. We start to want to give up. Focusing on Jesus and his perfect life of faith encourages us to continue to follow God's will faithfully. As we run our race, we endure by focusing on Jesus at all times. Just like a runner who has to constantly be focused on the goal line or the finish line. Andy said part of the thrill of running 100 miles, I don't know, there's no thrill to me in that, part of the thrill for Andy for running 100 miles was being completely focused on the race and finishing and nothing else. Completely locked in, completely locked in. But any loss of concentration or focus can throw us off our game. And that's exactly what happened August 7th, 1954, Vancouver, 
at, the, at what were called the Commonwealth Games back then, and I think we've got a picture coming up. This was called the Miracle Mile Race. For, uh, kids, this is kind of a cool, cool story. So two men, Roger Bannister and John Landy, had just run the first sub-four-minute miles in history. That's fast, right? So if you guys think, if you've ever seen a track, that's four times around a track. And so they were getting together to, to run this race, and huge crowd, 35,000 people on hand to watch. There were other runners, but these two were clearly the best. They wanted to see these guys going toe-to-toe. And so the guns fired. Landy goes out fast. He gets, he gets a pretty good lead on Bannister. They loop it three times. They get to the last lap. And um, Bannister starts to catch him. And they get actually coming around the last turn, coming down the home stretch. And Landy is still winning. But this is actually a picture of what happened. You can see Landy there on the left. He, he, he's running, and he literally he's looking over his left shoulder for Bannister. And as you can tell, Bannister's passing him <laughs> on the right. So Landy lost focus on the end goal, the finish line. And it kind of threw off his stride. And as you can see, Bannister, Bannister caught and passed him at the very end of this race and won by less than a second. Pretty, pretty, crazy, pretty crazy story. But it's, it's good for the analogy today. We see a similar story in Matthew 14 when Jesus called Peter to walk on the water to him. And it says, Peter got out of the boat. You guys know this verse. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. When Peter saw the wind, he took his focus off Jesus and immediately began to sink. And, and we see this when we take our eyes off Jesus too, right? We begin to sink metaphorically. We get distracted by, by lesser things. Jesus was the perfect example of faith. He was the author and perfecter of our faith. Our focus needs to be completely on him as we run our race of faith. Friends, endurance races are, are hard. Andy can attest to this if you guys saw him for the weeks after his race. It was a hard race. Uh, persevering is, is hard. We'll have, we all have obstacles and challenges in our race. There will be times when we lose heart and lose focus and we want to give up. But just like Jesus endured hostility from sinners in the cross for the joy that was set before him, we can endure for the joy that is set before us. I think this last section is my favorite. It's quite simply, Jesus, Jesus is the joy that is set before us. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and our perfect example of faith is the joy that is set before us. And as we think about finishing our race and coming face-to-face with Jesus, here's what that means. And again, please, please humor me one more time and, and, and close your eyes. And picture this at, at the finish line. This is our races of faith. Jesus is at the end. And I want us really to like lock in on this key, key point in this visualization. So this is at the finish line when we see Jesus. Restored bodies, free from sickness, pain, and disease. Restored relationships that were once hard or broken. A restored heaven and earth where poverty, war, natural disasters, and injustice don't exist. Freedom from the chains of sin. Glorification and an eternal inheritance from God. And joining a multitude, 
worshiping and singing around the throne. Friends, that's the joy that's set before us in Christ. Pretty cool to think about that finish line. That's why we persevere in our faith. That's why we can endure suffering and hardship in this life. Jesus, he's worth it. We just sang Worth It All, one of my favorite, absolute favorite songs. He's worth it, and finishing our race as well is worth it. And please, please don't miss this. Just like the fellow runners we talked about earlier, Jesus is in this race with us. He's there at the beginning, the middle, and the end. As the author of our faith, he initiated salvation for us. He bestowed it for us. Our faith comes from him at the beginning of our race. As we look to him in the middle of our race, while we're running, as we look to him, he sanctifies us and helps us shed these encumbrances, these weights, and these sins. And at the end of our race, he represents our glorification. He's running with us. And as we focus on him, we are assured of victory. We are assured of victory. It's guaranteed. We know we can finish the race and finish it well when we focus on Jesus. And a familiar verse is Paul told Timothy in the last letter that he wrote before he was martyred. You guys have heard this verse before. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. My prayer is we would all be able to to say that as we near the finish line of our race. By God's grace, we will endure to the end. And I just want to close with, with some super encouraging lyrics from a song called Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. It's by City of Light, and the band's going to play it right after I'm done here. Uh, I think it just sums up beautifully a, a beautiful picture of completing the race well. So it says, With every breath I long to follow Jesus, for he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne. To this I hold my hope is only Jesus, all the glory evermore to him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. I love those lyrics. Uh, Next week, Ben will continue in chapter 12, looking at the discipline of the Lord and continuing to talk about this theme of faithful perseverance. Let's pray, friends.